Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. Tonight, in person from 6 to 7 p.m., so that's just a, a great way to connect with, uh, with God and start your week off in, in just an incredible way, as you heard Hannah talk about. And uh, We're getting back to a little bit of normalcy with that, so we're excited to continue rolling forward. But again, we are in week two of this series, and I want to put this disclaimer on this again. I plan my series pretty far in advance. Like, I'm talking like November of 2019, I was planning for the day, like the whole entire year of 2020, and like God knows what's going on. Like God knows what's happening before and really after, and He knows what, what we need to talk about. He knows what we need to hear. So it's just incredible, incredible of how He knows what we're going to go through before we even go it. Like, and again, this is a really, it's a, a good series through this time period because, well, Authority is kind of one of those things that's it's kind of crazy, right? It's, it's kind of a tension point to where we are right now. And some authority is even being questioned. And it's, it's just kind of one of those seasons in life that, that's just nuts, whether it's the, the, the racial indifferences, whether it's the, the COVID-19 and, and having governments tell us that we can't do certain things, right? So for some of us, we're just like, oh, so sick of it at all, right? But again, authority is placed in our lives by God. And we, we learned this last week in our main passage of Scripture, which is Romans 13.1. So if you have that a Bible, I challenge you to go there. Again, if you don't have a Bible, shameless plug, we always push the, the Version Bible app. And the reason we do is just because it's easy. Right? It's something that can go on your phone. That way you can read the Bible every single day. There's reading versions. There's reading plans there. It's incredible just resource to have with you wherever you go. But Romans 13, 1, again, highlight this. Write this down. Commit it to memory. It says this. It says, let everyone be subject to governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Again, this is a pretty good passage of Scripture, but for some of us, it can be a little bit of a, a struggle. Right? For some of us, we're, we're looking at it and we're thinking, like, man, what, what does that mean? Like, because we've experienced some, some negative authority in our life. We've seen some negative authority throughout history, and you're thinking, like, all authority. Like, you're talking, like, evil authority. Like, like all the way back, if you look through history, like Hitler... That was from God. And like, how do we respond to that? So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But again, last week we learned that, that God is the ultimate authority. And in honesty, that's a good thing, right? That should give us some hope because God is a good God. We serve an incredible God that loves us beyond anything. Even in his place of ultimate authority, he sent his son Jesus for us to live a perfect life, die on a cross, and be risen again to pay the ultimate penalty each and every one of us deserve to pay. But he gave us that God, he gave us that perfect sacrifice in Jesus so that we could be connected with him. Right? That's his ultimate authority, and that's what he did for us because he loves us. Because he wants good things for us. He wants the best for us. And again, we see this in Romans 8:28, which says this. It says, And we know that all things work together for the good to them, or to work together to them that love God, to them who are called to according to his purpose. Right? Again. All things work together for good if we allow God to work. Right? Not all things are good. We know that. We know that some things aren't really good. But listen, when we allow God to work, when we are work according to what he's called us to do, he can work through and he can turn things to good. Because again, he's the ultimate authority. He's the ultimate authority. However, he's not the only authority in our lives. Right? How many know that there's other authorities in our lives? Right? Listen, for you kids, think about this. How many of you know your parents are an authority in your lives? Right? 
growing up, we probably knew that we had a parent or guardian that was an authority in our lives. And each parent's a little bit different, but there's certain things that, that we must do. Right? We have to abide by what our parents tell, tell us. They let us know pretty much at, at a young age of whether we're doing something right or wrong. They let us know pretty much at a young age of, of, of whether what the rules that we are, are really called to uh, follow. Right? I learned this week, I didn't know this, but I learned this week that I'm a strict parent. Right? I was talking with my kids a little bit about what we're talking about today, and they're like, yeah, well, Dad, you're really, you're really strict. You and Mom, are, you guys are strict parents. I'm like, hold up, wait a second. You don't even know what my childhood was like. Like I'm talking like I walked to school both ways uphill, right? I don't know when that happened, but it just did at some point. I remember carrying, like, I carry my kids' baseball bags sometimes into the fields. Like, I, that was never going to happen. And my parents like, do this, yours, carry it. Carry other people's too. Carry my stuff. Like, I'm here because of you. You can carry my chairs to the baseball game, right? That's what my parents were like. But now they get it easier. I'm thinking, like, come on. You don't understand how easy you have it. You don't understand how unstrict we are, right? But again, just learned that this week. But we're the authority in my kids' lives. Again, other, other family members are authorities in lives as well. I mean, if you think about it, grandparents, they have certain authorities in, the, in their kids' and their grandchildren's life. I mean, mostly they just spoil them. I'm looking, I'm like, what? Why are you treating my kids like that, mom and dad? I'm like, you never let me get away with that. So they're really good at spoiling, but still, they, they still have authority. If you think about it, siblings have some authority in, the, in your life. I don't know if anybody had an older sister, but there's something when you have an older sister, like, and if you are the older sister, it's like a trigger in your mind, like, okay, I'm in the place of authority over all my siblings, over all my young siblings. Like, growing up, I had an older sister, like, she thought she was the boss of me, and many times she was, because she would bring the wrath of herself down, and I see this with my kids, too. Like, Berkeley's the older sister, and then Griffin, like, she will boss him around and tell him what to do. Clean your room, clean my room, and he'll do it, right? Because there's some type of authority there, right? He sees it. He sees it. But again, there's all sorts of authorities in our life. And many of us, we, we have bosses. Like most of us have a boss. And we, we have to do certain things our boss tells us. We, we probably need to go to work like every day. We probably need to show up at work on time. We probably need to work while we're at work, right? We better abide by those expectations. And for some of us, if we're, we're self-employed, we're thinking like, oh, I don't have a boss. Listen, you have customers. So you have multiple bosses. So good luck with that, right? But we have that. And then uh, even... Even pastors, right? So there's pastors. We, we have a place of authority. Listen, my job and my goal is to lead you closer to Christ. Like every day, every time I preach, every time I connect with you, I want to lead you a little closer to Christ. I want to show you what that looks like. But in order to do that, sometimes you actually have to listen to me, right? There's some things you have to put into place. So there's that, still that authority in our lives. And then there, there's government leaders, right? There's government authority in our lives. Right? For some of us, this can be a hard one. And listen, I'm not a political person whatsoever, You'll never really hear me talk about politics, but there's government leadership and it's placed there by God. So we need to be praying for our government leaders. Or we need to be praying for them by name. We need to be praying that, that they have wisdom. We need to pray that they have knowledge, that they have discernment to lead us in these crazy times, right? We need to be praying that they take care of us even through, through COVID-19, through the, the racial tension, that, that they are allowing God to work through them, right? We need to do that. And because we live in this country, we're really supposed to do certain things because there's authorities in our life. And again, I want us to understand all authority is established by God. Right? All authority is established by God. But the truth is, not all those authorities are perfect. Right? Not all those authorities are good. In fact, we've probably experienced it before. And here's what I really want us to walk away with today. All authority is from God, but not all authority is godly. Right? All authority is from God, but not all authority is godly. Now, again, God can work through all the bad authority. And again, he does, and he tries to do it for good. Right? He works for the good of us who love him. We just saw that in that, in that verse in Romans. 
But obviously, there's some authorities that aren't good, right? There's some authorities that we'll experience in our life that, that will be pretty messed up. In fact, you're probably thinking about it right now, right? For some of you, maybe you had parents that were, that were messed up parents. And maybe you had parents that, that abused you, that took advantage of that authority that was placed in their lives. And, and, they, and they really, they used it and, and they hurt you because of it. Right? Maybe for some of you, maybe you've been a, a hurt by a, a government worker before. Right? Maybe for some of you, you, you had a, a bad boss. Right? Maybe you've experienced this, this bad authority. Right? Again, not all authority is perfect. It was given by God, but there's still people involved. And the truth is people are flawed. Right? People are prone to making mistakes. People fall into sin. And sometimes people can even be evil. Right? We see this in Scripture. Right? We see this even in the same book of Romans. In Romans 3.23. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that truth, because of that fact, there's people that abuse their authority. There's leaders that abuse their authority. Because of that, there's mistakes that are made in leadership. Right? Because of that, there's some injustice that happens. I love what King David's son Solomon says in Ecclesiastes. He says this in Ecclesiastes verse 10, or chapter 10, verses 5 through 6. This is actually the Good News Translation. It says, here's an injustice I've seen in the world, an injustice caused by rulers. Stupid people are given positions of authority. Right? Sometimes scripture is just dead on, right? But how many of us, how many of us, we've experienced that? Right? How many of you have ever had a stupid boss? Right? How many of you ever thought your parents did something that was stupid? Right? How many of you ever thought that you had a pastor that was stupid? No, keep your hands down, right? <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Listen, I make mistakes. I've messed up before. I'll probably mess up again because I'm human. And there's other authorities in your life that have messed up and that will probably mess up again because there's flaws in them. Right? As humans, we all have some flaws. And because of this, the authority, the position of power, the leadership can easily be abused. Again, all authority is from God, but not all authority is godly. The problem, though, is I think we tend to to look at this, and we tend to think that anybody in a place of leadership is, a, is a, the highest of highs, right? We place them on a pedestal. We place them on, on a throne almost. And if there's a mistake, then what happens? Everything falls down. Everything crumbles, right? And what we do is we forget that God's the ultimate authority. We think that others are, so when they crumble, it kind of breaks us as well. And we forget that God's the ultimate authority. So when somebody makes a mistake, what do we do? We get hurt. So we ultimately push back. Right? We ultimately resist against it. We ultimately fight. And sometimes we even rebel as well. Instead of just asking God to intervene. Instead of asking God to, to take his role as the ultimate authority in our life. In fact, Peter in his letter to some of the churches in Rome states really how we're supposed to respond to ungodly authority. He says this in uh, 1 Peter 2.19. He says, For it's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. All right, let's just pause there. And now you can take your phone, your Bible, your Bible up and throw it on the ground. Be like, dude, I don't want to read that. Like, come on. Right, there's some things in the Bible we read and you're like, no, that's not good. Like, that just stinks. There's some things in the Bible we read and this is one of them that we don't want to highlight because the truth of it sometimes stinks. Right, this is one of those things that we just wish weren't in the Bible. Now, it gets softened up a little bit later when Peter says this in 1 Peter 3.14. He says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Right? Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. And so if we do suffer, we're blessed. We don't have to fear. We don't have to live and, and be frightened as well. That's a little more encouraging, but the truth is, it still kind of stinks. And the truth is, we still don't like it. 
And the truth is what happens is so many times we respond differently and we don't invite God in the situation and we don't allow him to work. And instead what happens is we just rebel and fight back. And when we do this, the results are never good. I mean, think about it. Every time we rebel against authority, what happens? It comes back to bite us. So I remember as a kid when I rebelled against my parents, right, blatantly, and they're like, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a rule that they like, but I think it'd be way more fun to jump off this desk onto the, onto the couch, then into the bed, and then bounce off, right? Because I think it'd be fun, right? So I'm going to rebel against them telling me not to do that. What happens? Busted my ankle. And then I got my butt spanked, right? That's what happens. Sometimes it gets harsher. There's things that can come back and bite us. And if you look at it, when we rebel, anything we do out of rebellious heart, and when we fight back against authority with a rebellious heart, what happens is, is the authority actually pushes back and is harsher towards us as well. Again, if you even look through like ancient history, you look at the Israelites, right? They rebelled against the Egyptians. What happened? The Egyptians came down harder, right? If you look throughout even modern history, you see different people groups. When they rebel, what happens? The leadership gets harsher and harsher. And here's why. Because rebellion is not a spear from God, but rather it's a temptation from Satan. And when we act out of temptation from Satan, it's never good, right? Now, hear me out, and I say this. I'm not saying that we let injustice continue. Let me just be clear about that, right? I'm not saying that we just get abused and say that that's okay, right? I'm not saying that we just brush things under the rug and pretend everything's fine and dandy when there's some ungodly authorities in our lives. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is this. I'm saying that we don't act out of a spirit of rebellion, but rather we act out of a reliance on God. Right? In this time period, we can't act out of a spirit of rebellion, but we have to act out of a reliance on God because of who God is. Because he's the ultimate authority. Because he's the giver and the taker away of all the authorities. Because he's the one that has the ultimate power. Right? There's only so much we can do, but we have to invite him in because he has the ultimate power. He has the power to end abuse in our lives. Right? He has the power to, to end racism. He has the power to end senseless violence. He has the power to even end this COVID-19 thing, but we have to rely on him. Right? We have to make him part of the process. And again, for many of us, it's, it's hard. Right? It, it's difficult. But what we can see is we can see through the life of King David uh, how to do it in his response to, to how King Saul actually treated him. In fact, you remember last week, we kind of started this off with the foundation of this series, and we talked about Saul, we talked about David, and, and how Saul ended up, they, how God placed them both in leadership, but Saul often forgot about the ultimate authority of God, so what happened is Saul eventually got his leadership and his authority taken away, right? and because of that, Saul also operated really differently than what King David did. Right? Saul operated really out of, a, out of insecurity, so a lot of times, Saul was jealous, and that jealousy, that insecurity, that that removal of the authority caused Saul to be kind of messed up. In fact, it later says that, that Saul had an evil spirit upon him. And he acted out of that evil spirit instead of acting out of God's ultimate authority. In fact, we see this really in 1 Samuel when, uh, when David and, and Saul kind of collide together and we see their stories mixed. Right, we first see really their stories mixed when uh, David comes in and he plays the harp for Saul. So again, Saul's tormented by this evil spirit, so he needed something that would calm him down. So David's like a, one of those unique, weird, talented in everything he does type of guys. So he can play the harp, which I guess that was like the, that was like the guitar back in that day. Like that was, you were a rock star if you played the harp. So they bring David in and he plays the harp for Saul. And then uh, he's playing the harp and then David's still here and has brothers that are actually out at war. So he hears that his brother's out at war. So he goes and says, yeah, I'm going to check on my brothers while I'm, you know, it's my day off from playing the harp for King Saul. So I'm going to go out, check on my brothers. Goes to the front lines, sees this guy named Goliath, named 
and uh, ends up taking him down. We're actually going to jump into that last next week. You may have heard the story of David and Goliath before, you may have not, but we're going to jump into that next week. So here's David doing all these things behind the scenes. And again, Saul is operating really tormented by this, this evil spirit, and he's beginning jealous and jealous. And he gets more and more jealous of David. So one day, when Saul's playing, when Saul's playing, or when David's playing some music, Saul decides to uh, just, you know, treat him like a, a great employee. It says this in First Samuel 18, verses 10 through 11. Here's what happens. It says, the next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Right? Think about this. Here's David, and at this point, he knows that he will eventually become king, but right now he's still under the authority of Saul. And Saul is like a terrible boss, like terrible boss, like throwing spears at this guy, right? throwing spears, trying to pin him against the wall. Now, David was clearly, he was, he was definitely training for a dodgeball tournament because if you can dodge a spear, you can dodge a ball. Right? So he was doing that, so he dodges him twice. But this is where, this is what the kind of leadership, this is kind of, kind of authority that David's under. He has this guy that throws some spears at him. But what's crazy is how David responded. Right? David didn't respond by just rebelling. David didn't respond by just pushing back and getting angry. He responded by still serving him more. In fact, David continued to play the harp for him. I'd, I would be out. Like, I'd, take, I'd tell him, you can take this harp and you can shove it somewhere else. Like, I'm done, right? But no, David continued to, to play the harp for him. And he even continued to, to actually serve Saul in the battlefield. And he won some more victories for him, which is just crazy. Now, Saul saw this, and he, again, his jealousy was even growing even more so. He's thinking like, okay, David's here. I'm going to keep him real close to me. So David, so Saul's kind of living out this keep your friends close, but your enemies closer type of thing. So he tries to get uh, David to, to marry one of his daughters. And David's thinking like, dude, this is not going to go well. So he kind of pushed back. says, like, you know, I know what's happening. Like, I know this could end bad. Like, I don't want to be that close to Saul. He's going to know every move. He can do anything and take me out at any moment. But eventually, David did end up marrying Saul's daughter, Michael. And obviously, David, Saul still played this out and continued to try to kill David. Like he knew where he was at all times. And we see another instance here in uh, 1 Samuel 19, 9 through 15, where it says this again. It says, But an evil spirit from the Lord came on Saul as he was sitting in his, in his house with a spear in his hand. While David was playing the harp, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with the spear. But David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall. And then that night, David made good on his escape. Now you guys are probably thinking like, dude, we just read that. Why are you reading the same verse twice? That's a whole different verse. Like, this is a whole other time, right? Like, think about this. Every time you go into your work, you're like, oh, my boss could throw a spear at me today. This is going to be a good day. Left, 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 right, right? No, okay? <laughs> this is where David was. And not only that, Saul even wanted to kill more. Again, he knows exactly where he's going to be because he married his daughter. So it goes on and says this in verse 11. It says, Saul sent men to David's house to watch it and to kill him in the morning. But Michael, David's wife, warned him, if you don't run, for your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. So Michael let David through, down through the window, and he fled and escaped. Then Michael took an idol and laid it on the bed, covering it with a garment and putting on some goat's hair on the head. When Saul sent them in to capture David, Michael said he is ill. Then Saul sent the men back to see David and told them, bring him up to me in his bed so that I may kill him. But when the men entered, there was an idol in the bed, and the head was some goat's like, this is some crazy talk right here. Like, this is some abuse of authority. Here's Saul, and he's clearly trying to kill this innocent man. 
Right? He was going after him with everything as well. And he didn't even care. Like he, he put all the other man rules aside. Like man rules back in those days is you don't kill somebody that's sick because they can't fight back. Like, so, but he didn't care. He went to go kill him even while he was sick. All because of his jealousy. All because of his own, his ungodly leadership. So what happens is David runs. And what's incredible is this, is where David runs to. Right? He runs away and he flees. And he flees to the prophet Samuel. Again, the namesake of this book. The one that God speaks to. And what happens is we see this happen really throughout the rest of the story. Really throughout the rest of this book. You see Saul continually chasing after David. And David continually running. And he's continually running to God. And what's crazy is that Saul's a pretty messed up dude. We even see how, how negative and how ungodly his leadership is. Like in fact, as part of him fleeing and, and chasing after, after David, he comes and eventually he sees these, uh, these priests and he eventually actually kills these priests because they sided with David, right? That's some, that's some next level stuff. I mean, I'm talking like even right now, when you look around, right? I went to, we went to Columbus yesterday and we were just driving around the city and downtown. And obviously you see some of the aftermath of the riots and some of the buildings torn down, some of the buildings walled up and everything. But what was incredible was this, is that the churches around downtown were still intact, right? There's a reverence, there's a respect for that. Here's King Saul. He doesn't even have that respect or reverence. Like he kills these men, these priests. And that's how crazy he is. Right? And this is what David is under. This is the authority he's under. And again, clearly from this, we can see that all authority is from God, but not all authority is godly. But we can also see how to respond, how to react, how to function under authority that's not godly. Now listen, today, this is what I want us to do. I want us to walk away knowing really, really how to respond to ungodly or poor authority in our lives and how to respond to, to ungodly or poor authority in the lives of others. So let's just jump in. How we respond to poor authority or ungodly authority in our lives is this. Number one, we still have to obey and submit for the good work. We still have to obey and submit for the God works, right? For the things that, that line up with Scripture. Again, if you look at David, he was under this harsh leadership of Saul. Right? But David still carried out his task. Right? He still went into battle. He still won victories for God. He still won victories for Israel. Right? He, he still even played the harp for Saul for a while. Right? He still obeyed and submitted for the good work, for the work of God. And listen, we're called to do the same thing. In fact, we're reminded of this in a, in a New Testament letter, in Paul's letter to Titus, in Titus chapter 3, verse 1, where it says this, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. Again, this letter is uh, it's, it's Paul writing to Titus, and Titus is a leader of the, of the churches, and he's really, Paul's encouraging Titus to warn and encourage the people. And listen, this is my responsibility as well. As a pastor, I'm telling you to submit, obey to what's good, right, to what's godly. So hear this out, right? I, Corbin, your pastor, remind you to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and ready to do whatever is good. Now you can't say I didn't warn you. Like we're called to submit, we're called to obey to whatever's good to whatever lines up with Scripture. I'll go as far as to even say this. If Scripture is quiet about something, right, we still need to submit and obey to the authority in our life. Right? If Scripture is quiet about something, we need to obey and submit to the authority in our life, not just our personal preferences. Right? Even if we personally disagree, as long as it doesn't go against Scripture, we're called to submit and obey to it. But hear me out now. If it goes against Scripture, right, if something goes against Scripture, we're not called to follow blindly. Because again, God's the ultimate authority. And his word has the ultimate authority in our lives. Right? If there's an authority that contradicts God, if there's an authority that contradicts God's word, we're called to follow God over that. Right? Acts 5.29 
states clearly that we must obey God rather than humans, right? And God's orders are his words. God's orders are the Bible, which really leads us to number two. Here's how we respond to ungodly authority. There's some times where we just need to flee from evil. And there's some times where we just need to run from the bad. There's some times where we just need to run when, when we're in a place of harm. There's a place times where we just need to hide if we have to. And if, if you look at David, this is where he did. It came to a point where David was no longer safe. It came to a point where Saul's leadership and his authority was clearly in direct opposition to what God wanted. Right? So what did David do? He ran. Right? He got out of there as fast as he could. And listen, for some of us, maybe we're in an area where we need to, to flee from some evil in our lives. Right? Listen, maybe it's your workplace. Right? If your workplace is toxic, maybe God's calling you to leave. Right? Maybe it's time to, to brush up on, on your resume and to get out of there. Right? Maybe it's time to find a new place of work. I'd say this, run and flee rather than staying in there and trying to destroy it from within. Because it's not your job to take the authority away. That's God's job, right? For some of us, sometimes we just need to run. We need to leave it. And maybe for you, maybe it's your group of friends. Maybe they have an authority in your life that's actually leading you away from what God wants. Maybe it's time to, to run and flee from that. And maybe for you, it's your family. Listen, families are, are supposed to be safe havens, right? But for some of us, we've experienced the opposite. And maybe for you, it's time to hide. Time to lay low a little bit. Right? It's time to flee a little bit. That's not challenge you to do. Right? Get away. But understand this. Where you run matters. Where you go to matters. Where you flee to matters. So I challenge you really to, to run to a place where God can work, which really is number three. Give God the opportunity to work. Give God the opportunity to work. In that place of, of harshness, in that place of negative, of negative leadership, in that place of negative authority, give God the opportunity to work on your behalf. Right? Instead of just pushing back. I think a lot of times we miss out on God's fix because we're trying to fix it ourselves. Right, we miss out on, on God's solution because we're putting our solution in place and it doesn't necessarily line up with what God wants. Right, if you look at David, again, David fled and he always fled towards God. In fact, many times, again, he would go directly to Samuel. He'd go directly to the prophet. And because of that, it gave God incredible opportunities to work. In fact, we, we see an example of this in 1 Samuel 19, verses 20 through 23. And this passage, as David's fleeing to Samuel, but Saul's men are following him. But God did an incredible work. He did an incredible miracle. Check this out, verse 20. It says, so he sent men to capture him. But then when they saw a group of prophets prophesying with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came on Saul's men, and they also prophesied. Saul was told about it, so he sent more men. And then they prophesied too. Saul sent men a third time, and they also prophesied. Finally, he himself left from Ramah and went to the great cistern of Sikhu. And he asked, where are Samuel and David? Over in Nyath at Ramah, they said. So Saul went to Nyath at Ramah, but the Spirit of God came even on him, and he walked along prophesying until he came to Nyath. And think about this. Here's Saul. He's chasing after David. So he sends some men to go kill, to go kill David, but God's there because David's in the presence of God. He's, at, he's with Samuel. And so the men get there, and then all of a sudden the Spirit of God comes down on him, and they begin worshiping. They begin prophesying, right? So he's, Saul sees this, and he's like, well, that's not going to happen. I'm going to send another group. So he sends another group, and the same thing happens. Then he sends a third group, and the same thing happens. Then he sends himself, it goes himself, and God did this incredible miracle. And for this moment, softened his heart, and the Spirit of God came on, and he began prophesying as well. Right? This is some incredible stuff. This is where God clearly intervenes. And I want to let you know, God still intervenes today. Right? God does amazing things still today. The song we sang, right? God's a miracle worker. It's true, he's a miracle worker, but we have to let him. 
Listen, I have a friends in Minneapolis, and they're, they're kind of on scene with everything that's going on. Obviously, at nighttime, the riots get a little bit crazy, right? But he says during the daytime, God's working. God's doing amazing things. He says there's prayer walks going around. He says last Sunday, there were hundreds of people just baptized on the streets because God's working. Listen, that's what God does. He can still do it today. And we have to give him the opportunity. We have to give him the opportunity. to, Which means this, even in our struggle, even in our hurt, even in our anger, even in all these things that we have, these bad feelings that we have against ungodly authority, we still have to do everything that lines up with Scripture. Right? We have to line up with Scripture. And that means this happens even in our social media. Right? So for some of us, God's calling us to line our social media up with Scripture. In fact, God's saying, you know what? Instead of writing your opinions on social media, it's time just to write His opinion and His opinion Scripture. Right? Maybe just start posting scriptures instead of what you're saying. Because what you say maybe is actually causing divisiveness and causing arguments, where scripture is causing encouragement, right? It's building people up. For some of us, we got to get the God the opportunity to work, which means we take ourselves out of the equation, even in our social media, especially in our social media, right? Give God the opportunity to work. Which means instead of fleeing to other things, we have to flee to him. And then lastly, number four is this. How we respond to ungodly authority in our lives, so we have to show mercy. What's incredible about the story of David and Saul is that throughout it all, David continuously showed mercy to Saul. I mean, here's Saul. He threw spears at David. I don't know about you, but if there's spears coming out of my head, those are things that are probably coming back every time. Like, I'm probably not going to be playing a harp again without thinking that a spear is coming towards my head. But Saul continually showed mercy by actually sparing, or David continually showed mercy by actually sparing Saul's life over and over again. We see one instance here in 1 Samuel 24, 3-7, where it says this. It says, He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Scripture's just great sometimes. It just gets real, right? It says, David and his men were far back in the cave, and the men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Right? Here's David. He had every opportunity to take Saul out. But instead, he just cuts off a corner of his robe. Verse 5 continues, says, Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay a hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. Look at it. David had mercy. David had mercy. It was just, it's crazy that he did this. But he still recognized the authority of God. He still recognized that God was the ultimate authority, the one that gave Saul the authority in the first place. And listen, we need to do the same. And we need to continually show mercy to others. David actually spared Saul's life multiple times. Again, we see it in, in chapter 26 as well. Right? And in doing so, he continued to show that God was the ultimate authority. It's a lesson for us. It's a lesson that we need to show mercy. Listen, we need to show mercy to, to their parents who may be messed up. Listen, for some of us, we're holding on to something our parents did years and years ago. Our parents may be dead and gone, but we're still holding to some of this unforgiveness. Listen, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to forgive them and show mercy, not for their sake, but for your sake. Right? For God to work in your life. Show mercy. For some of us, we need to show mercy to our bosses that are terrible. Right? Instead of, instead of bad-mouthing them every single day, let's show them a little bit of mercy. Let's, let's see what happens. Right? For some of us, we need to show mercy to, to pastors who, guess what, are still people and sometimes make mistakes. We need to show mercy to, to government workers. Right? We need to show mercy. Listen, one of my things that I always want to be known for is, is how I lead. I want to lead with grace. Right? I think in our lives, we need to lead 
with grace. And we need to show mercy over and over again. This happens in our speech. This happens in our actions. This happens in our social media game. This happens with everything that we do. And listen, I'll say this. If we have to tear one thing down in order to build another person up, guess what? We're not showing mercy. I challenge you. I challenge you to get over that and to show mercy. That's how we respond to poor authority in our lives. We submit and obey for the good. We flee from evil. We let God work and we show mercy. That's how we respond in our own lives to the the poor and ungodly authority in our life. But here's how we respond to the poor and ungodly authority in the lives of others. We have to help. We're called to help. We can't just stand idle. We're called to help. We're called to look beyond ourselves. We're called to look beyond our little bubble. We're called to look beyond our our little box. A lot of times we're selfish. Inherently we're selfish. So we don't see outside of our box. But we realize there's some things that we can do as well. We can help. Again, if you look at the life of David, David was always helped by, by two people. He was actually helped by Saul's kids, right? He was helped by his wife, Michael, who helped him flee multiple times. Then he was also helped by his best friend, Jonathan, who was Saul's son, who also helped warn him multiple times over and over again. Listen, we need to do the same. We need to put ourselves in positions where we can help others, right? When the authority is not godly, when the authority is not safe for them, we need to help others. Proverbs 31.8 says this. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Listen, I want to challenge you to help. Listen, all authority is from God, but not all authority is God. But we need to react to the ungodly authority in a way that still honors God. We need to react to the ungodly authority that, that still places God as the ultimate authority of all and allows him to work. We need to react in a way that we're relying on God more than ourselves. And that's my challenge for you today, is to rely on God. Rely on God through it all. So as we close, maybe you're here today, and maybe for you, maybe you've just been relying on yourself, and maybe you've actually never relied on God because you've never made a decision for him. That's what we want to give you that opportunity. Every time we have a service, I want to give you the opportunity to make a decision for Jesus. So whether you're here in person or whether you're watching online, if you've never made a decision, listen, we want to give you that opportunity. And what you can do is you can simply just make the commitment to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Accept his forgiveness. Accept him into your life. If you're here, we actually can, you can do that with a, a connection card in the seat back in front of you. There's a place where you can checkmark that box that says, I want to make a decision for Jesus. If you're watching online, feel free to, to raise your hand, make a comment if that's you, because we want to know. We want to know if that's you. And if that's you, what we want to do is we want to, we want to pray for you as well. And we want to pray for you. Maybe God's speaking to you. Maybe God's challenging you in a, in a way you respond to authority. Maybe for, for some, maybe we've been acting out of a spirit of rebellion instead of reliance. And maybe God's shown you that today. Listen, we want to journey with you as well. So there, again, if you're in person, there's a connection card where you can write that. And we'll be praying for you throughout this week. But if you would, let us uh, finish that out. If you're online, make a comment. But what we'll do is we'll pray to conclude. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you right now. God, we thank you for, for who you are. We thank you that you are the ultimate authority in our lives. God, we thank you that, that although... All the authority in our lives is not necessarily godly. It's still placed from you. And because of that, you can work for the good if we love you. God, if we, if we act and we live according to the calling that you have for each and every one of us because you give and take authority away. God, we thank you for that truth. And God, because of that truth, we thank you that, that we can come in connection with you because you gave your son for us. And God, right now I pray for those that, that checkmark that box. God, I pray for those that, that maybe made that decision whether watching online, raise their hand, or, or, or made a statement. God, I pray, God, that they will accept your son as their Lord and Savior and accept their forgiveness and live out your truth in their lives. God, I pray for the one that maybe you're speaking to. 
God, that you're pushing a little bit further. I pray that, thank you that, God, you don't just keep us where we are, but you take us further. God, I pray that you let that not just be an inkling today as we sit here, as we listen. God, I pray it will be an action as we walk out these doors, as we walk through this. And God, we pray that, that you'll be the one that helps us through it all. Listen, we need your help. We need you. We need to have a reliance on you to give you an opportunity to work. God, we love you and we thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.